Not understanding HR departments has been the downfall of many companies. But there are ways to decrease the HR drama, and they're surprisingly straightforward. How can you benefit from them? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. Whether you're a business owner or you're an advisor who's working directly with the HR suite in a company on employee benefits issues, which I know a lot of us do, it's important to make life easier and mostly eliminate drama. And so we wanted to find somebody who know, knew both about HR and about eliminating drama. And we found Karen Young, and she wrote this great book called Stop Knocking on My Door, Drama-Free HR to Help You Grow Your Business. And we couldn't think of anybody better to ask questions about HR and how we as benefits advisors can relate better to the HR suite. So with that, welcome, Karen. David, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks. I should mention that in addition to being an author of a really terrific book, very readable, especially for a non-HR professional, um, (laughs) you are also the founder and president of HR Resolutions, and you have a pretty broad-based practice, so you've seen it all. Would that be safe to say? I love to say that I've seen it all, but unfortunately, some things still surprise me every now and then, but we just keep uh, chipping away through it. Perfect. So let's start with, it's a great title, Stop Knocking on My Door. Where'd the title come from? The title came from when I talk with a lot of my clients, a majority of their interruptions through the day, a majority of the things that keep them from being able to be focused on their expertise and moving their companies forward is when the employee goes on their door repeatedly. And so they recognize that they need to pay attention to their employees. They recognize they need to help them. But those interruptions because they may not have policies and procedures in place. They may not have a crystal clear understanding of what everyone's responsibilities are. They get those interruptions. So that's where, that's where the title came from. Okay. Well, so while we're doing background, one more question, because I happen to have one of these in my family. How did a music major end up (laughs) in doing HR? Oh my gosh, that is a great question. I am a classical pianist. I studied piano from the time I was six years old until uh, we won't say how long that has been. Um, I won't ask. Age. We'll just put it that way. Perfect. I had a deal with my parents that I had to go to college for one year. And if I didn't like it, I could move home at the end of one year, live rent free as long as I had a job. And so I went to Lebanon Valley College, which on the East Coast, if If you're not going to Juilliard, you should go to Lebanon Valley College for music. I was miserable my first 
semester because I was in with all the other first chair this or first chair that and I was going to have to spend my entire life in a practice room. Yeah, no, too boring for me. And at that point, if you couldn't cut it as a music major at Lebanon Valley, you went into elementary education. Well, if I was going to do that, I was going to teach music. So why change? So all the flunkies went into, I became business majors. And so that's what I did. And I took an elective called organizational psychology. And I went, the light bulb went on over my head and I decided, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. So my parents were also going, yay, she's going to stay. She's not moving home. (laughs) So it was a win-win for everyone. So that's how I went from being a music major to a, uh, a degreed and certified HR professional today. That's a, it's a great story. So as I said, I've, I've got a music major who's doing something completely different. In the fa- She's actually a musical theater major in the family who's mm. doing something completely and totally different. But, you know, all the skills transfer. So let's get into the book. Sure. One of the things that I think people will be shocked about is something that you write about fairly early in the book, that even if you have one employee... And even if that employee is, whether that employee is a full-time employee or a part-time employee, you automatically, as a business owner, become subject to 10 different federal employment laws. That's mind-boggling. It is. I was even shocked when I opened HR resolutions 16 years ago. You know, and I'm in HR, but I had dealt with with big corporate America HR that was, you just had them all. You were playing with them all from the get-go. And when I started my business and started looking into this, I I mean, my mind was boggled as well. My favorite one, though, I have to tell you, and this is a state-specific one in Arizona, where even with one employee, you have to have, you must follow their Equal Pay Act. So you must be sure that you pay your one employee the same as you're paying all your other employees. That's the one that has boggled my mind. But I don't make the legislation, I don't make the regulations, I just help interpret them because I am not an attorney, but I help understand what the regulations mean and how they impact our businesses. And it is amazing the number of the small clients that I run into that don't understand things, and our audience today can appreciate this, Affordable Care Act, even if you're not over 50 employees, there are still things that you need to pay attention to, COBRA. Even if you're under 20 employees, most states now have mini COBRA that you need to be aware of. So it is my responsibility is to help people understand their risk. And someone phrased it really well yesterday because people are familiar with in the medical informed consent. Mm -hmm. So you need to be aware of the risks that you're facing. That's how I view HR. Our job, whether it be as HR resolutions or an HR person directly employed by a company, HR's job is to provide that informed consent. You know, we need to consult. We need to advise our leaders. These are your risks. End of the day, it's not my decision as an HR professional, it's the business owner's decision. And I will tell you, as an up-and-coming HR professional, that was something very difficult for me to grasp, that I'm a consultant. Even when I was an HR professional in business working for a company, my role truly was, what I was in operations. I was overhead. My role was to provide informed consent so my leaders could make the best decision for the business. 
Uh, so knowing those regulations that apply, you don't need to know them in depth. You just need to know that you have that risk and know where to go to find out more about the information. Well, there's another part in the book where, and you use this almost as a, as a foundational piece, I think, if, if I read it correctly, and that is the importance of job descriptions. Yeah. And the reason that in the book you say they're important is because they're important for a lot of different reasons. Share some of that with us. Sure. I actually call job descriptions the hub of the wheel. So if you imagine a wheel on your tire, or it may be easier to go with a bicycle wheel because you know all the spokes that come from the hub out to the wheel itself. If you're missing a couple spokes, you're okay. Your bike is still going to work. You're not necessarily going to go clop, diddy clop, diddy clop. Your bike is still going to work. If you are missing too many of those spokes, though, you're going to end up with flat spots. So when I talk about the job description being the hub of the wheel, what I'm referring to are things like interviewing. If I'm going to interview, if I have a job description, I know what I'm interviewing for. I'm able to talk to the candidate about these are the responsibilities and the essential functions of the job. This is what your day-to-day is going to look like. If I am coaching or counseling or mentoring an employee, I want to be able to refer back to the job description so I can help them understand and be crystal clear with them. This is the expectation for your position. Let's talk about where you're not quite meeting those expectations. But I've got that document to refer back to. In the arena of workers' compensation, heaven, you know, I hope that you don't ever have run across this, but if you ever do have any restricted duty cases or any lost time work cases, you want to be sure that you have a solid job description done in advance so you're not making this up on the fly so you can get somebody back to work because you don't want those lost time cases. You're much better presented if you're able to go to the healthcare provider or the occupational med provider and say, these are the responsibilities of the job. So that helps get your employees back to the work environment faster. Sure. You know, and then the other area, and this applies regardless of the size of your company, this applies with reasonable accommodation. Now, granted, The Americans with Disabilities Act doesn't kick in until you are 15 or more employees. But I want to use Pennsylvania as an example. In Pennsylvania, we fall under, as soon as you have four employees, you need to follow most of the same laws as the big boys and girls do. So we have to consider it might not fall under the Americans with Disabilities Act, so we might have a little bit more flexibility. But... When we're looking at reasonable accommodations, if we have that job description already established with the essential functions, which that's why the job exists, and the physical and work environment conditions associated with that job, we're in a much better position to determine, is this request for leave reasonable? Is this request for taking some pieces out of the job temporarily? Is that reasonable? And we're in such a better position if we've done that before we need to do it. Sure, absolutely. And now, a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. 
In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, back to our discussion. Let's kind of switch our focus a little bit. I think the place that a lot of our audience probably began to encounter a lot of your folks, a lot of the HR professionals, was with this little thing. I think the acronym stands for Helping to Irritate Practically All Americans. Oh, yes, my, my, my favorite, favorite and I mean, there was a, there was a lot of back and forth and back and forth, and a lot of folks in, in on the employee benefits advisory side of the business ended up working with the HR professionals to make sure that all the stuff that they were doing was HIPAA compliant. Right. Did you see an increase in other types of disciplines, whether it was attorneys or benefits advisors or whatever, all of a sudden interfacing with HR suites? What's interesting is. <laughs> I'm sage enough to remember when HIPAA was enacted. And I remember my biggest disappointment because I'm a people pleaser. I'm in this business to help people. And my biggest disappointment in HIPAA was I was no longer able to help my employee if they had a challenge with their insurance. I could no longer act on their behalf. I could no longer be an advocate for them. I have found that my insurance broker friends, and and I love my insurance brokers, I have found them to be, as the law has progressed, and I honestly, I don't remember how old it is now, but um, it's just there. It's a fact of my life now. I have found that my insurance brokers are much more readily able to help employees now than I can. So I will turn to our insurance brokers often if an employee is having a challenge because they have found ways to either help that employee work through it or they have advocates who are able to get the appropriate releases. But the biggest area where HIPAA impacts HR professionals that I run into and our clients, I want to use a, a story of a client that we had that started out small, mom and pop, They've been around for over 40 years. They have grown to where they have their own HR director now, so they're well over 200, 300 employees. But for the longest time, their corporate office manager, if someone was out sick, would send a company-wide email, Karen is out for an appendicitis right now, okay? So she's, she's a corporate office manager. This is what they've always done. It's a caring, it's a family-oriented business. I would constantly go back to her and say, oh, please, please, please don't do that. (laughs) And when I finally helped senior leadership recognize that we're not a little mom and pop anymore, there are still ways that we can act like a little mom and pop, but there's some behaviors we have to cut out. When I explained to them that every email that was opened, not just the one email that this office manager sent as a HIPAA violation, but every email that was opened and received 
could be viewed as an individual HIPAA violation. It's amazing how we have now gotten permission from the employee to share with the whole company or are merely saying, Karen will be out of the office this week. If you need further assistance, please reach out to. That's where I've seen the biggest impact because it it takes away that ability to act like a small, caring family organization because we can't share stuff like that. And I understand, but frankly, most employees, they're fine if you share that information with their coworkers. But unfortunately, sometimes I have to be the bad guy and say it's not in your informed consent. I have to say it's not in your best interest to do that. Yeah, benefits advisors know all about being the bad guy, especially with the rise of or the renewed increase in partially self-funded plans and, and layering all the ERISA regulations on top of everything. And that, that leads me to a question. An awful lot of insurance advisors think the letters HR stand for highly resistant because when they when they bring a new plan or they bring or they're or, <laughs> or they're positioning some new opportunity for the employees, right? Oftentimes their impression is that HR folks are going, oh glory, just what I need is one more piece of work, one more thing to Absolutely. understand. We, we've got about four minutes, five minutes left. I wonder if you could give all of our audience some tips about how to interact better and become better partners with the HR suite. Absolutely. I will talk about some of my favorite brokers, and I adore a majority of my brokers, and here's why. Because they are working to make my life easier. They are partnering with me as the HR person to meet with employees, to meet with leadership. They're doing the work for me with presentations. They're saying, let me present. Let me meet with the employees. And if I can encourage all of you to do one thing, push electronic portals to your people, to your, you know, your businesses and your clients. I just handled a 170 employee paper open enrollment. Wow. And I vowed I would never do that again. And I've promised the client, I will never do that again. And it was because their broker refused to talk to them, refused to talk to them about a portal. The company was entirely open to it. The broker was resistant to that. Now, we're with a new broker now. Imagine that. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'll show, yeah. I would show you my shocked face. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so really highly encourage, let the HR person know that is there to make their job easier. You're going to do all the heavy lifting for them. Be as available to them as possible. And when worse comes to worse, the best answer, and I've learned this actually through marriage counseling, help me understand how can I make your job easier? And if it's not something you can do, then then have an honest conversation with the HR person. I can't do that, but would it help if I did this for you? Okay. The biggest thing for me is when my brokers actually create the open enrollment booklets and communications, so I don't need to. It's not my expertise to put all the all the required notices together. And you know what? I'd say that's probably my last big piece. Make sure your HR people, make sure you are feeding them the required notices when they need to be distributed. Because we don't remember. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. One of the other things that, you know, you, you might be helpful with is that an awful lot of times decisions on new benefit plans or new benefits within the benefits array are determined at the C-suite level. 
And then they get pushed down and you're kind of presented with it. The HR folks are presented with it as a fait accompli. Mm -hmm. Is there a way for the benefits advisor to kind of, for lack of a better term of art, work both sides of the street without annoying anybody? You betcha. Keep the HR person up to date. Even though the decision is the C-suite, make sure the HR person knows, this is what I'm presenting to your C-suite. This is what I believe they are going to take. You know, start to think now, how can I help you implement whatever their decision is? The C-suite is not going to be upset by that at all. They're probably going to be a little bit thankful. A majority are going to be a little bit thankful. But keep that HR person in the, in the loop. Be their ally. Be their friend. Okay. That's a great place to end our conversation today. Karen Young, founder and president of HR Resolutions and author of this really terrific book. If you're, Especially if you're a small business person and you maybe don't have a full-time HR person, it's worth reading because she goes through every single bit of all of the gobbledygook that you have to deal with from an HR perspective. So Karen, thank you very much for sharing your expertise with our audience. David, thank you for having me today. My best to everyone. My pleasure. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.